Good to see you. So they decided that they were shutting the church down to give them a few months to rebrand the church and reopen it later this year. And, and, they, and they contacted all of the current members that were coming and they asked them uh, that any of them that were age 60 or older, they asked them, don't come back when we reopen. We want you to stay away for, for 15 to 18 months. And then after 15 or 18 months, once we've rebranded and once we have relaunched and we've had time to get things rolling, then, then possibly we can, we can incorporate back the, the seniors. Now, I don't know all the details of that. that was, it was hitting the news and it was being rebutted back and forth and details and whatnot. I don't know about all that. But, but it just reminded me that, that, that there are things that happen in our world and in our culture that kind of... Kind of make it sound like seniors. There's something wrong with seniors. And, and uh, sometimes not even welcome. And, and so I thought, you know, my mom's 89. And uh, we're having a big celebration this afternoon. Uh, celebrating her 89th birthday. And it's the beginning of Valentine week. And so let's just think about how important it is to love seniors. Uh, in our morning service this morning. You know, growing old is an interesting uh, part of all of our lives and experiences sooner or later. I read once someone said there are four stages of life. The first stage is when you believe in Santa Claus. The second season of life is when you don't believe in Santa Claus. The third stage of life is when you are Santa Claus. And the final stage of life is when you look like Santa Claus. And as I look across the room, there's probably some here at every stage of life. And some of you are looking more and more like Mr. and Mrs. Santa Claus as the years roll by. Here's seven great truths about growing old. Growing up is mandatory. Growing old is optional. Number two, forget the health food. I need all the preservatives I can get. (laughs) Number three, when you fall down, take time to wonder what else you can do while you're down there. (laughs) Number four, you're getting old when you get the same sensation from your rocking chair that you used to get from a roller coaster. (laughs) Number five, it's frustrating when you know all the answers. But nobody bothers to ask you a question. That was a profound thought when I first read that. Number six, time may be a great healer, but it's a lousy beautician. I don't agree with that one. I think my mom's more beautiful than she ever was. Number seven, wisdom comes with age. But sometimes, age comes alone. Some people grow wise. Some people just grow old. Great truths about growing old. How do you view the aged? What does it mean to grow old? And and how do... 
elderly people impact or affect your life. How many elderly people are in your life that you regularly have connection to? And what do you plan to do when you get old? Age is a reality of life, and God has so much to say about age, seniors, older people. And it's so important to understand the mind of God, because man's thinking continually shifts. But God's never does. So when God reveals how he views the elderly, what he says about old people That's never going to change. That's fixed. That's the mind of God. But we as humans, from time to time and cultural changes, we can think more like God or we can think less like God. And in one of the areas where that is true, and it has become true in our culture, is the attitude towards those who are elderly. And so it's important to be able to to understand the mind of God. Our culture has changed drastically in this arena. You know, there was a time in America where the elderly were greatly involved in rearing the next generation. They generally lived close, same community. We weren't as mobile a culture. And so to be able to grow up as a child with not just your parents there, but your grandparents and sometimes even your early childhood, your great-grandparents, and, and the elderly spent a lot of their slower years influencing, mentoring, investing in the lives of their grandchildren, and sometimes even their great-grandchildren. Let's change today. Today, oftentimes, people in their elder years are separated from the young, and Sometimes that's because they want it that way. And sometimes it's because their kids want it that way. And so it does us good every once in a while to revisit the mind of God and and to check to see whether or not I'm thinking like God in regards to the elderly people in my life. And where I'm going in my own development, and what kind of an old person I'm going to be. I guess the, the bottom line is we, we want to value uh, elderly people. We love seniors. Seniors are vital. Seniors are important. And why would anyone make a statement like that? Well, the message this morning has two parts to it. You can see that on your little worksheet uh, this morning. There are two parts, and... Uh, the two parts of the message come because, because we have to know in order to be able to live. We have to know God's mind about seniors so that we can live out God's mind about seniors. And so I want to take a few moments to read some scripture about how God thinks about seniors. And then some practical things about How God's mind needs to impact the way I think and live my life. So let's start with knowing God's mind about seniors. Knowing God's mind about seniors. Number one, first little point there, God requires the honor of parentage. 
God requires that we honor our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents. Leviticus 19.32, the Bible says, Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head and honor the face of the old man and fear thy God. I am the Lord. That old English word hoary, H-O-A-R-Y, is not a word we use in our current vernacular. It speaks of the the color of, of the the gray, the white, the, the hoary head is the gray head, the white head, the person whose, whose hair has turned gray and white. And God says in Leviticus 19 that we're to rise up before them, we're to stand up when, they, when they're around us, we're to rise up before them, and, and we're to honor the face of the old man. And I think it would be fair to say the old woman too. We're to honor them. But, but something that grabs my attention when I read Leviticus 19.32 is God links the honor of parentage to the honor of God. He says, rise up before the hoary head, honor the face of the old man, and fear thy God. They're connected together. Those who honor the elderly honor God. And you can't honor God without honoring the elderly. They're connected together. And there's a reason for that. That's because God's old. You ever think about God being old? God's as old as it gets. As a matter of fact, in the book of Daniel, four time, uh, three times I believe in Daniel 7, God calls himself the Ancient of Days. That's quite a descriptive title, isn't it? God is the Ancient of Days. You can't get any more ancient than God. He's as old as it gets. And he says, you need to honor the elderly and honor me. I am the Lord. Interesting connection. You know, God, uh, God links together in some different passages. He links together multi-generations. In Deuteronomy uh, chapter number 5, he speaks of the influence of three or four generations. Thou shalt not bow down thyself unto them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children under the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. God connects influence down through three and four generations. Three and four generations. That would be my granddad, my dad, and me. And my kids. And now that my kids have kids, it would be my dad and me, my kids, my grandkids. The influence that flows through a multi-generation family down to three and four generations. God wants us to honor our parentage because there's a flowing influence from our parents and our grandparents down through our lives that's vital and important for the future of our walk with God. Exodus 20 verse 12 says, Honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. And I like Job 12.12. 12. Job said, With the ancient is wisdom, and in length of days there is understanding. Throughout the Bible, the mind of God is that we ought to always honor 
our parentage before us because there's wisdom, there's experience, there's life purpose, there's influence that is important in our lives. I've heard a preacher years ago, probably 20 years ago, make a statement that I'd never thought of before. He said the word grandfather is not in the Bible. I never thought about that. The word grandfather is not in the Bible. But then he followed it up with a second statement. He says even though the word grandfather is not in the Bible, when not. A, a, a term used in the, those languages. But he says the word father in its plurality, fathers, is used 549 times in the Bible. Such as in Deuteronomy 1.8 where the Bible says, Behold, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore unto your fathers. And then followed it up with this statement. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give the land, to give, the, the, give unto them and to their seed after them. Now, that was Moses that was recording that. God had used Moses to record the book of Deuteronomy. So, so Moses was recording this. He had led Israel out of Egypt into the promised land, to the land that God had promised to Abraham, then promised it to Abraham's son, Isaac, and then Isaac's, uh, Isaac's son Jacob, and then Jacob's name was changed to Israel. Kind of bounces back and forth in that passage in Genesis we were reading earlier. He's called Jacob and he's called Israel. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. So we had Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Israel had 12 sons. They became the 12 sons of Israel. They grew up and got married and had kids. They became the 12 families of Israel. The families grew and grew and grew in the land of Egypt. They became the 12 tribes of Israel. So Moses leads those 12 tribes to the promised land. And then Moses said, God gave this to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. And now... He's got the 12 tribes that came from Jacob. And he links the, the linkage of those generations is called fathers. Which means that when a child leaves the home, their honor of their parents doesn't end. As a matter of fact, the honor of the parents goes to the father and the father's father and the father's father's father. Or to the dad, the granddad, the great-granddad, the great-granddad. Those are my fathers. Those are my generations of fathers that my life has come from. And God requires that we honor our fathers. The lineage that has come down through the years to our lives, our children's lives, our grandchildren's lives. The mind of God is that God requires the honor of multi-generations of parents. And then here's a second thought. God condemns the dishonor of parentage. Proverbs 30, verse 17, the Bible says, The eye that mocketh at his father and despiseth to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pick it out and the young eagles shall eat it. Kind of graphic, isn't it? The, the young person that raises their eyes at their 
dad or mom, rolls the eyes, raises the eyebrows. The, the eye that mocks the dad or the mom. God said the eye that mocks the father, that despises to obey the mother, a raven or an eagle will pluck it out and eat it. Kind of a poetic way to say that's not a good thing. Not a good thing to roll your eyes at your dad or your mom. Not a good thing to raise the eyebrows and use your eyes to mock your dad or mom. God condemns the dishonor of parentage. Exodus 21:15 says, He that smiteth his father or mother shall be put to death. In verse, chapter 21, verse 17 says, He that curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Now, that's pretty serious. You, 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 you hit your dad or you curse your dad or your mom. Uh, that's capital offense. Because God was really serious about helping generations to understand they have to see value in their parents and their grandparents. They, they, they can't dishonor parentage. In Isaiah chapter 3, the preacher Isaiah is describing why God had judged Israel and was going to judge Israel. And he used this phrase, the child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient and the base against the honorable. God's preacher pointed out that, that when a child behaves proudly against a parent, I know better than my parents. I'm smarter than my parents. I know more than my parents. My opinion is weightier than my parents. My parents just don't get it. When a child has pride against older people, that brings judgment from God in a culture. It was Jeremiah that God used, the preacher Jeremiah, God used to record what we call the book of Lamentations, which is a book of weeping. It's actually five funeral dirges, five funeral poems lamenting the destruction of Israel. Jeremiah had watched the Iraqi army come in and destroy Israel. He saw them plunder, murder, abuse and tear down his capital city. And he sat in a cave and watched it all. And afterwards, God used him to record some poetry that were laments over what had happened to his country, to his nation. And he went all the way back to the book of Deuteronomy. And he reminded, in, in the funeral dirges, he reminded his readers that God told us generations ago that if you do this, this, and this, you'll get this. But if you do this, this, and this, you'll get this. The blessings and the cursings. You, you obey God and do what God tells you to do. He's going to bless you generation after generation after generation. But if you don't obey God and you do this, this, and this, God is going to curse you generation after generation. And what happened in, in Jeremiah's day was the end result of what God promised he would do generations earlier. 
And in these lamentations, in Lamentations 5.12, Jeremiah said, Princes are hanged up by their hands. The faces of elders were not honored. Interesting to me that he noted that the, the lack of honor toward elderly people was a part of the equation that resulted in the Iraqi army destroying Israel before his very eyes. What I'm saying is God, God has a mindset regarding elders. And it's good to go back and remind ourselves of how God thinks about seniors. So that we can make sure that we adopt God's mindset in our own lives. Lamentations 4.16 says, The anger of the Lord hath divided them. He will no more regard them. They respected not the persons of the priests. They favored not the elders. And so Israel and their culture had come to a time in their experience where the youth had no respect for the elders. And that was part of the reason why God sent Nebuchadnezzar and his armies in to destroy the nation of Israel. God has a mind regarding seniors. He requires that we honor our parentage. He condemns the dishonor of parentage. Here's one last little thought there about the mind of God. And and this is important. Honorable parentage must be earned. I, I had noted that our text for this message is Proverbs 16 and verse 31. If you still have that open in your Bible, I want you to read it this time. Proverbs 16, verse 31. The Bible says the hoary head is a crown of glory. The the white hair, that silver hair, it's a crown of glory in a person's life. You've finally arrived. Old age isn't a curse to be dreaded. It is a goal to be reached. The the white hair, the gray hair, wear it with pride and dignity. It is your glory. Someone says, I don't want anyone to know how old I am. I want everyone to know. I want want credit for every year I've lived. I'll be 67 in a couple of weeks, and then I'll be telling everybody I'm going to be 68 next birthday. I, I mean, I want to stretch it forward. It's a glory. This is the mind of God. It's a glory. But notice this. It's a glory if it be found in the way of righteousness. There are some elderly people that their age has not brought them glory. And then there are others whose age has brought them great glory. You see... Honorable parentage is something that is earned by being honorable, worthy of honor. Job 32.9 says, Great men are not always wise, neither do the aged understand judgment. Just because a person's old doesn't mean they're wise. Just because they're old doesn't mean that they've got all the answers. Just because they're old doesn't mean they're honorable. You can't get experience and wisdom without growing old. But growing old does not guarantee the acquisition of wisdom and valuable experience. 
honorable parentage must be earned. Honor is not due to the number of years a person has lived, but it's, it's due to the spiritual depth that has developed during the number of years they've lived. The life of a Christian must continually grow deeper and deeper and deeper in spirituality, in walk with God, in knowledge of God, in obedience to God. And a Christian who lives year after year growing deeper in their spirituality, when they reach old age, they will be honorable. Not because they reached old age, but because within their reaching of old age, they acquired righteousness. They became people of holiness. And so that's why great truth number seven was what it was. Wisdom comes with age, but sometimes age comes alone. We've got to earn honorable as we live our lives. A couple of parables that caught my attention. I want to I want to throw out at you a couple of parables that uh, uh, that really um, r- catches my attention. One of them's in uh, Proverbs 25, and you may want to just flip over there if you're still in Proverbs. Proverbs 25, verse number 11. It's an interesting short little parable. Proverbs 25 and verse number 11. The Bible says a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. The word pictures there speaks of the frame, maybe the mat, the, 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 the apple of gold is in a setting that shows it off, a, a, a beautiful mat and frame that shows off the, the, uh, the apples of gold, apples of gold in pictures of silver. This is a word fitly spoken. But notice the next verse. As an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold, so is a wise reprover upon an obedient ear. Notice there are two things required for this picture to have all of its value. There must be a wise reprover and there must be an obedient ear. There must be apples of gold And there must be a beautiful matted frame of silver. When you have the apples of gold framed by the pictures of silver, you've got a beautiful picture. But if you take the beautiful apples of gold and you dress it up with an ugly, ugly mat and an ugly frame then it's no longer the beauty. Or if you take a really ugly apple and you put it in a beautiful matin frame, you've got to have both. You've got to have a wise reprover and you've got to have an obedient ear together for it to be valuable. If you have a wise, spiritual old person giving advice to a disobedient younger person, it doesn't work. Or if you have a critical, mean-spirited, unholy old person giving advice to an obedient ear of a young person, 
doesn't work. You have to have both the wise reprover and the obedient ear, like apples of gold in pictures of silver. And then you've got a combination of something that is beautiful and workable and that accomplishes great things for that person in that person's life. And so, uh, interesting, interesting proverb about the necessity of both the apples of gold and the pictures of silver, or both the wise reprover. See, God, God doesn't tell us that every old person is a wise reprover. Every old person doesn't have good advice or good counsel. Every old person isn't honorable. They are honorable if they've lived a righteous life. And so we need a wise reprover with an obedient ear. Let me show you one other that, that kind of uh, is along the same line. Look back to Proverbs uh, 11. This is, a, this is a strange one. Proverbs 11 in verse number 22. Proverbs 11:22. As a jewel of gold in a swine's snout. Have you ever seen a jewel? Have you ever seen a jewel of gold in a swine's snout? Well, let me show you one. Then you'll never be able to say you haven't seen one. A jewel of gold in a swine's snout. Just doesn't. It just doesn't look right, does it? Well, you have a beautiful gold ring and a swine's snout. They they don't fit each other. They don't look right together. So is a fair woman, which is without discretion. Again, God is using some parables to show things that don't, that don't work well together. We don't expect them to be together. We expect an old person to have some wisdom. We expect an old person to have walked with God over the course of their life and to have some good counsel, some good advice. To be honorable. There's honor there in the, in the hoary head. It's a crown of glory if it be found in the way of righteousness. Well, this is how God thinks. This is God's mind. Let's, let, let me jump to the second part. And let me just throw out some, some what I think is some, some important um, uh, advice on how to live out this uh, this mindset of God in our lives. Uh, that fifth great truth I, I uh, read a moment ago said that it's frustrating when you know all the answers, but nobody bothers to ask the questions. Let's think about, about some advice for, for non-senior people. That would be for people who aren't old. Are you old yet? How many of you are not old? You're not old yet. Raise your hand. You say, I'm not old. Okay. Mom, put your hand down. I'm not old yet. Here's advice for people that aren't old yet. Number one, value age. Value age. Value senior people. Look up to them. At gatherings, honor them. Give them the best seat. Give them the prominent place. Speak well of them. Value those who are elderly. Invite them to share 
Invite them to share their perspective. Now that I finally know all the questions, I know all the answers, nobody bothers asking me any questions. That's a reality of a lot of old people because nobody wants their opinion. Because we're smarter than them. So they may have all kinds of wisdom, but it's not wanted. That's a dangerous thing. And so how can I live out the mind of God for seniors? I can value, I can value age. If I'm not yet a senior, I can value those who are seniors. I can want their opinion. I can ask them questions. I can care about what they think. I can value what they have to say. There have been different times my wife and I have talked about different subjects, uh, such as um, child-rearing, things that have changed so drastically from when we were raised and when we raised our children, so drastically changed from that to what is common today in our culture. And, uh, and I've said, I said, hon, you know, the Bible says that the older women are to teach the younger women. She says, I've tried, and they don't want to hear what I have to say. They'd say that if you, if you want to get on someone's bad side, try to help them learn how to better raise their kids. Tell them what they're doing wrong. You can be on the bad side that fast. Because younger adults don't want. Not that, that's a, that's a, it's a very general statement. It may not be true of anyone in this room. But in our culture, younger adults don't want the opinion of older adults. And they're offended if the older adult tries to help them correct something that is not being done well in their lives. So what do we do? If I'm not a senior yet, I need to learn how to value seniors, value their opinions, value their, their, how, they, how they view things in life. They've got far more experience than what I have. Value those who are older. Here's a, a second little thing here. Live so that you will be honored one day. What goes around comes around. <laughs> you know how your kids are going to view you the way you viewed your parents. What goes around comes around. You want your kids to want your opinion? And you better want your parents' opinion. You want your grandkids to come to you and say, Grandpa, Grandma, would you help me understand this? Then you better go to your grandpa and your grandma and your parents and say, my generation looks at it differently. Could you explain why you all did what you did and why you don't think the way we're doing things is best? See, if you live with the honor of your parents and grandparents and a value for them, and a desire to hear from them. What goes around comes around. And you will one day enjoy the blessing of your kids or grandkids wanting your opinion. And what you think about situations. And so live so that you will be honored when you get old, if you ever get old. Here's another one. Last little arrow there. Find avenues for passing heritage. You know, passing heritage is so, so valuable for every generation. The 
ongoing continuity of multi-generational families and, 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 and finding a way to pass that heritage. For us, it was, when I was a kid, it was trips to Grandma and Grandpa's in West Virginia. It was Grandma and Grandpa's house on Fayette Street. It was Grandma and Grandpa's house over on Lumber Street. It was a camp up at Queens. It was running through the woods. It was swinging on grapevines. It was, it was spending time with cousins and aunts and uncles. And, and there, was a, there was a lot that was done that passed heritage into my life. Look for ways. Always look for ways to pass heritage uh, into your life. We're still... We're still uh, um, trying to maintain the multi-generational making of apple butter. And uh, every other year we get together and make a big, couple of big kettles of apple butter out over an open fire. And there's nothing like good homemade apple butter over an open hardwood fire. Passing heritage, asking questions, seeking perspective, Teaching children to honor their elderly. What are elders called? Where did Mr. and Mrs. go to? Where did ma'am and sir go to? Titles that we were taught to use in addressing elderly people. Are we teaching our children to speak in terms of endearment when they address elders? I remember years ago we had... Um, I don't even remember for sure who it was, but we had a family had a young child, and the parents let the child call me Mike. And and they'd, they'd come to church, and the the, the, the child would, would say, "Hey, Mike." Now I'm a big boy; it's no skin off my nose. But I thought, what are you doing to your kids? Missing an opportunity to teach and train them to respect elders, to be able to help children understand that elders are not peers. When children talk to elders, when young people, even young adults, talk to their, to their elders as if they're peers, that influences the way people think. I still, to this day, do not call my aunts and uncles that I have left living, I don't call them by their first name. It's aunt... Anne, it's Uncle Joe, it's Uncle Don, it's Aunt Velma. To this day, I will never call them by their first name. Why? Because they're my elders. You know, we teach our children how to respect elders by the habits we build into their lives. And that's called parenting. That's training our children in character. And what's best and what's appropriate. And, and it's not, it, it, the big deal is not necessarily the one little individual principle like, do you say yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. But those are opportunities to teach respect. And parents should always be looking for practical things that will give them an opportunity to teach respect. To their children. Who goes first? Who interrupts who? I, I, it started many, many years ago, but I love it when I see it here around here, where uh, two adults are speaking and a and a child comes running up and 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 the child. I mean, the child. Everything's important in the life of a child. Mom, 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 mom. 
And it's great to watch a mom not disrupt their conversation with the adult in order to give attention to someone more important, a child. But rather they taught the child, you don't interrupt me when I'm speaking to an adult. You come up, stand beside me, and lay your hand on my arm so I know you're there. And then when I have the opportunity, I'll break the conversation with the adult I'm speaking to, and I'll say, just one moment. And then I'll turn to you and I'll address you, and you can tell me what you want. That's just a simple little thing that someone come up, came up with years ago as a way to teach children to respect adults. And not come in and take over and, and um, be disrespectful to adults. So, here's, here's um, uh, let me just read through these last things. Practical advice to seniors. We that are seniors. Ah, that feels good. We, we that are seniors. For we that are seniors... Number one, earn the right to be honored. Earn the right to be honored. Be interested in younger adults. Pray for them. Understand their challenges. And, 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 when, and when we give them advice, let's put our apples of gold in a silver frame. Let's speak kindly and respectfully. Let's try to help them understand another perspective and not be critical or, or harsh uh, in that. Be available. Uh, stay involved. Last year, I started, I started writing letters I, uh, to each of our 13 grandchildren uh, on their birthdays. And so this past year, I've, I, sometime during the year, I started it. And uh, so I haven't gone through all 13 of them yet. But on their birthday, I write them a handwritten letter from their grandpa. I hope they save them. I hope their moms and dads will put them away. And I hope years from now, she Christ here is coming, they'll be able to read the spiritual advice, the encouragement, the heart's desire from their grandpa that will come long after I'm gone. Stay involved. Be interested. And that last little thing, tell your story. Tell your story. I'll never forget. I was with one of our church members in a hospital room over in Manassas. His mom was not expected to live. I'd never met her before. I went to the hospital. I stepped in the room. There were a number of family members there in the room. One of our church members that was the son to this woman was in the room. And I, and I looked at the lady in the bed, and I'd never met her before. Of course, after I introduced, and we chit-chatted for a moment, I said, I said, do you know that you're saved? And she said, yes, I know that I'm saved. I said, could you tell me the story of you getting saved? She said, certainly. And she told me the story of what God had done in her life in saving her soul. The next week... The church member came to me, an adult, and said to me, Pastor, thank you. I don't know why you said that. I don't know why you asked that. I have never heard my mom tell the story of how she got saved until in that room. You know how easy it is to go through life day after day, week after week, and never tell our story to our children and our grandchildren or our great-grandchildren. 
Let me encourage you if you're a senior, tell your story. Share with your family every detail, everything about what God has done in your life. What God did in your life when he saved you. How your life changed. What became important to you. What was your life all about from that day to today? Tell your story. Make sure your grandkids have heard your voice tell the story of your walk with God. So that they can have that ringing in their ear. The life of of my parent, my mom, my dad, my grandma, my grandpa. Hey, and by the way, if you're a senior, study on how to be a good senior. David Gibbs wrote the book. Um, he wrote the foreword. Francis Grubbs wrote the book. The Glory of Aging. The Glory of Aging? Yeah, the glory of getting old. That's, that's um, uh, you find that in church uh, uh, library upstairs. And I think there's a couple of copies out in the bookstore as well. Gil Hansen Jr. lost his wife, Sylvia, a few years ago. How many years has that been? Four, three, about three years ago. And, and, and he, he walked the path of, of a husband without the wife of his entire life, his entire adult life. And, and that just drove him into a study of the Word of God and a desire to be ministered to by God. He ended up writing the book, A Path to Glory, a handbook for widows and widowers. We've got it in the bookstore in English and in Spanish. And uh, good read for those who lose their spouse and uh, to be able to get some counsel from God. And then there's the book Don Sisk wrote. It's in our uh, uh, library. It's not in our bookstore, but it's in our library. Uh, fourth quarter, how to finish your course with joy. Age is a grand and glorious uh, goal to reach. Not something to be embarrassed about and denied. And we need to live up to that. By being worthy of the honor that God commands younger adults to give to us. Be a good old person. I'm still working on it. My wife's still trying to get me there. But uh, I trust that, that in my elderly years that, that people will, will find something of value to learn from the experience of my life. And then younger adults value those people. Pick their brains. Learn why they have lived the way they've lived. Our younger generations are in desperate need of a contact with those that are older.